Hello, I'm Isabel, she, her, hers. And I'm David, he, him, his. And we're two therapists with ADHD who sit down to have some chats about ADHD. We can't promise we'll stay on topic or be professional, or even remotely mature. But we can promise that you'll end up looking at you or your loved one's beautiful neurodivergent brain in a shiny new way. This is not a therapy session. This is something shiny. I love it. Do you like Uh, it? That's amazing. And can this just be the intro? You saying that and me freaking out about how amazing it is? Yeah. And you dropping your voice? That could be be our first intro. So without further ado, welcome to Something Shiny. I'm David. (laughs) In this episode, David is going to be giving a presentation he gives to professionals and folks with ADHD all across the country. It's amazing. And he managed to give it to some of our neurodiverse and neurotypical friends and family Christina, AJ, Gabe, and my husband, Bobby. Thank you so much for joining us, amazing friends and family. So for this episode, you're going to hear David talking about a PowerPoint presentation. Kind of hard to do over a podcast. So if you want to see some of these visuals he's talking about, go to our show notes to a link or go straight to our website, somethingshinypodcast.com. That's somethingshinypodcast.com, and you can check them all out for free. This is part five of David's lecture series. For this one, it really helps for you to go back and listen to the other parts of the lecture series first, so parts one through four, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts or on our website, somethingshinypodcast.com. This part has more of a question and answer feel to it by the end and refers back to ideas we talked about in earlier parts. So this is one of those that you might get more out of if you've listened to those ahead of time. Without further ado, here is the brilliant David talking about all things ADHD. So I really liked that whole conversation between you all. Uh, The thing I wrote down, I just wanted to say because it's badass, but structure can be winning. Yeah. And if you recognize that, you could set up structure simply for that. It's like, oh, I need dopamine kicks to get through the day. What are things that I can check off that I'm doing that make me... And it's about low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Like, for instance, part of my daily structure, I have good day socks. So every day I'm putting on my socks, I'm like, it's going to be a good day. And I talk about what I'm going to do that day. And if I manage to go through my day while I'm putting on my socks, I win. And that's my only thing in the morning. <laughs> but like, it's actually a part of my structure. Can I share what yeah. my recent like structure is? Because I think it's like one of the most delightful things that I kind of, anyway, if you've seen the Mr. Rogers movies, there's like five of them out right now. Anyway, Mr. Rogers, like Tom Hanks plays Mr. Rogers, but there's also a documentary about Mr. Rogers. And one of the things Mr. I don't know if you know, Fred Rogers, right? Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. So one of the things he used to do is he like, and they show it in one of the movies is like, and I'm not basing this off of any kind of religion, but he would, he would like, he was a religious person. He would sit down and he would pray and he would list 
every person he's ever met, like he had a notebook where he, people he'd met like 15 years ago, he would spend like an hour or something just going down the list and thinking of every person and like, you know, sending them good thoughts. And so something that I've started to do that's been really cool is when I go into like rumination at night or in the morning, which happens for me, it's an earlier morning wake up. I'll wake up like three hours before I'm supposed to and then boop, oh, energy. So you're stimulated to make the structure for your day. Yeah, but no, what I do is I go, true, probably. But what I do then is I just, I, I kind of just make a list of people and I just think of every person. And it, because it's the relationship, the relationship, I think we've talked about this previous podcast. I'm not stimulated by like some things, but like a relationship, I become, I wake up. Like if it's another person I care about or have like some kind of vested interest in. So then as soon as I think of them, it's, so it's not even like praying or something. It's more just like, I'm like, oh, that person, oh, that person. Like, it's really cool. It's amazing. I'm just throwing that out there as an idea. And then I if say, that works it's for four in the else. morning. Why are you saying, oh, that person? But it's such a nice way to, like, keep your mind busy. And you are sort of ruminating. And you are, like, I am getting something from that. What you're saying is you're applying structure. Exactly. I have, like, a little formula. But the formula is your structure. So you know you're doing it right. And there's an end. There is an end, which is hopefully I fall back asleep. Which, when I do, I feel really excited. That's kind of like a win. It is a win. I like that. Hold on, real quick, in terms of transitions. So for example, let's say two people are traveling. And let's say one of them, uh, in the transitional period, <laughs> is, one of them is perhaps uh, more anxious and, you know, uncomfortable in that transition between when we're ready to go and actually leaving. What could the partner, say the non-ADHD partner, do to assist the person who's struggling with this? Leave. They could leave. Don't watch you struggle. Yeah. Oh, they could leave. Like legit, like I'll be in the car. Oh. You're welcome. For example, if you were transitioning, if you were transitioning and like you're running out of time to get from point A to point B, it would be very helpful for them not to, for example, eat cantaloupe until they're being called on the airport. Uh, to be honest, to be honest, what's hard is, and this is where I, like my soft pushback, this would be like my boxing gloves. If if there's a struggle around transition and someone is being like everyone has different levels of vulnerability right so if like i'm feeling pretty uncomfortable and someone's also getting dysregulated and their dysregulation is making me uncomfortable and i'm an understanding partner so i know it's not their fault that they're dysregulated but oh my god i want to get the hell out of this like situation eating cantaloupe is a pretty effective intervention and I want to make sure like it's like a soft landing but i want to make sure you hear it. it's like it's like knowing that they can't fix it for you and decreasing your need for them to fix it for you is what will, like, it's so ironic. I know this is what you're asking for, but it's like, damn. But it's like when you can decrease that dependency and you can, like, it, it feels better. And to that end, right, did, did she say, where are the coupons? What David is talking about with the coupons is a story AJ shared about how he was trying to remember to bring coupons with him to the baby store. He saw them on the table and then he forgot to bring them. David is wondering how AJ's partner, Christina, handled that situation when she learned he had forgotten the coupons. Uh, not in the specific example. Did she? No, no, but I mean, like, when you left, when you lost the coupons, was she yelling at you for leaving the coupons behind? No, but she did say you had one job. That's because you said it first. <laughs> you said, well, here's the thing, ready? Did you really want the coupons? 
Yeah, but I had an electronic version. I was gonna say, so you either back it up or have them with you. Like that's on that's on you. And it's like <laughs> it's like you're seeing how we talk about it. it's like decreasing the dependency. Like if if you're gonna run back in because you're running late and you need a jacket, I know you're the last person I should say, please grab these three different things in different places in their house. Because you'll probably grab four things and none of them which I asked for. Yeah, <laughs> true. But so what we're looking at is like when whenever we see dependency in a relationship for things, we see aggression. Mm. Because if you're not there, why, can I swear, can I just do it? Why the fuck aren't you there? You're, it's like if the sun doesn't rise one day, I'm freaking out. I'm so dependent on the sun. Like if it just didn't come up, I would just, I'm out. Like I would, I would lose my, my business. And so it's like whenever we see, in the, we, when we're cultivating accommodations, you want to make sure they're not dependent on another person. A quick note here on dependency, particularly when we're talking about child and caregiver interactions. Kids do and should depend on their parents or caregivers. When kids can't have consistency, they get surprised, they feel let down. Our understanding as adults of dependency helps us understand their rage and frustration. Um, we're going to spend more time on this topic in particular in future episodes, but for now, one idea of how to sort of adjust this idea of balancing outsourcing and dependency that still respects the child's innate dependency on their caregivers is having, for example, uh, your child use an alarm to wake up or using a visual timer so they could develop some more agency around time and time management instead of you being their clock and waking them up with no other backups, no other alarms. Anyway, more on this in a future episode, but let's get back to what we were saying. Whenever we see in the, we, when we're cultivating accommodations, you want to make sure they're not dependent on another person. And so when you bring up the transition example, I'm like, yep, we're going to, yep, yep. <laughs> like, like, yep, 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 yep. We mean all the planes. We, yeah, we didn't. No, we were literally in a lounge. She was eating cantaloupe. We were so close to missing the plane. They were calling our names over the... Emergency intercom? Yeah, like, (laughs) we are boarding, final call. I was at TSA giving the guy the actual boarding pass, but that's okay. Nice. You had it. We made it. And then we waited for like 20 minutes. <laughs> they, they, they had closed the doors, but that's it. fine. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to stop with some old data. And I'm using this old data because this data pertains to everyone here's life. This data is accurate around, uh, I want to say like 98 to 2000. So this is more applicable to your childhood. ADHD is considered one of the most high-risk populations you can work with. And this is what gets invalidated by therapists. This is what gets invalidated by people. Um, when you think about inner city gang members, when you think about people that are poor, when you think about like lots of different situations, we're looking at that level of high risk in a population for ADHD. Only 10% of the population will form any, will attend any form of higher education. So um, of the people that are diagnosed with ADHD, only 10% attend any form of higher education, less than 2% will finish a four-year university, Uh, 40% finish high school on time, 50% will abuse substances or spend time in jail, 30% are in prison, 30% own their own business. And the 2% that finish a four-year university, I want to tack on of that 2%, 
2.5% go on for any kind of master's level or graduate level work. So if you have ADHD and you have any kind of uh, bachelor's degree or master's degree, you, you should leave whatever you're doing right now and buy a lottery ticket. The probability of you succeeding in this world and in this country was abysmally low. And you did it! <laughs> Yay! And so, like, I think this might be a good place to, like, do you guys have any questions or, like, anything uh, kind of stand up or? Uh, yeah, I had a, I had a question. Um, earlier, uh, Isabel and Bobby were talking and uh, something was mentioned about you outsource the, uh, like, what you're not, like, something that's not your forte, mm -hmm. you outsource to someone. Yep. Right, right, so you're like, oh, I'm not good at organizing that checklist. You have the checklist, and then I'll just execute things as you tell me or whatever. Sort of what I got from that. Yeah. But then uh, after that, you said the uh, something about the codependency. Or just dependency. No, dependency, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when you have dependency upon, and you don't want that dependency on another person, but it's like, well, you what need that. Yeah. Right? So you need that because you need that other person to be the strength that you use your weakness. So think about it as the difference between agency and control. You can control a situation. You can't control another person's agency. So like um, my level of control is like dictating who comes to the party, not how they act once they're there. You can tell someone what to do. You can't tell them how to do it or when to do it. Like there are differences in dependency. So if it's like, um, if it's like, I need this now because I'm doing this thing, it's like that is part of that dependent relationship. That's like, okay, why? It's not like you should say no. It's like, I can't always do this for you. Or like, if you truly don't want to, don't do it. Right? <laughs> like that kind of thing. But I think w when we're talking about like how to structure accommodations, like my partner knows what I, what I stink at. Like, okay, one accommodation that I've done to not impulse buy stuff is I don't have the Amazon app on my phone. So if we're ever going to order anything on Amazon, I literally ask my partner to order it. And my partner goes, you don't need that. And I go, okay. Or my partner goes, no problem. I go, thank you. But in that level, that's my outsourced executive functioning, right? But think about how that's not dependency. Like I do, I am dependent on, on my partner ordering it from Amazon and I can buy something that doesn't involve Amazon and pay $6 more and, you know, whatever. Does that answer the question a little bit? Sure. Like, yes. it's the middle path around it. Can I can I throw in? I think another thing. Yeah. It's like when you're describing that difference between control and agency. What I'm thinking is, and like saying like you can't you can ask someone to come to the party. You can't then tell them when and how they leave, yep. when and how they have a drink, when mm -hmm. and how they like yes. have a snack or not have a snack. Right. Yeah. So it's almost like to my mind, it just I think it connects more to like enthusiastic like enthusiastic yeses or like consent. Right, mm -hmm. like the concept of, well, if you are in a partnership and you both recognize this is a, like transitions are shitty times. Yeah. Um, you, I, I, to me, I'm thinking it's different to sit down and go, cool, like what are things that, you know, based on what we've learned or whatever, like, cool, what structures would help? What structures wouldn't? Hey, do you need, like, and then partner going, cool, I can offer to help with that. And then it's like, cool, run with it, mm -hmm. which is very different than, you know what, you know, I get pissed about this. So why didn't you help me? Yes. Right. That is so different. And you're talking about letting your partner have the agency decide what they want to help with. Yes. Well, but even more than that, you're not like doing it in the moment you are like, activated and emotionally charged and your self-regulation is 
does, does that make sense? Yeah, you're right, but I, I'm pushing so you can't always control when you're asking. Yeah, it's true. But what, what is so important is your, your partner gets the agency to decide what they want to help with. Yes. And I think like it's really important to know like you don't just need one person to help you. You can like this is where you have to diversify like your resources, and it's about outsourcing on different levels, right? But like you need to have more sources to to lean on. Like if I need help writing or coming up with something, I'm gonna definitely ask Robin. Like my partner's brilliant and. Definitely, but I'm also going to ask my brother. I'm also going to ask my friend Noah. I'm also going to ask my friend Bane. I'm also going to ask my friend Dave. Like I'm going to go through resources to decrease my dependency on one person. So I need you to think about that in the kind of context of when you're bartering with with a partner around like help. You we always have to remind the partner that they can't be the only one. To, Sorry, I went no, like, no, and to bounce off of that, I think the way I think of it too is it's like, like I feel like that's sort of how. I mean, I'm going to use myself. That's how I got through. Like, I know that's how I got through high school was I figured out who my lab partner was and I figured out who that, you know what I mean? Like you, I feel like this is an innate skill that people with ADHD have had to develop that too. That they don't validate as a skill. That they don't see as a skill. And yeah. they call, but then the thing is, is I feel like a lot of people are like amazing networkers, like yeah. amazing at like building a new friendship with random people yes. like friends with people 10 years younger 10 years older you go to the movie and you're suddenly friends with the person right like so i feel like you we can recognize that that's something that we're doing all the time it's just making it like a, a meta awareness right like a consciousness of it it's we're health. yes we're doing it all the time and that awareness of it is what demystifies why it works sometimes and doesn't in other places that awareness is so the awareness you're talking about is so important so people don't go like I can't remember everything. I'm terrible at making plans. I just rely on other people to remember. It's like, that. that's not accurate. They are networking. They are keeping other people in the loop. They are the hub of the information wheel, right? And they might not write anything down, but that's because they're gonna have 13 people texting you. Are you ready to leave yet? Because it's been outsourced to other people. It's like, I'm. yeah, I totally agree with you. Does that help, Gabe? Yeah, that's great. Um, I just was going to ask, like, the, so this gives a lot of information about ADHD and sort of the, the different kinds and we talked a lot about uh, like the impacts of those. Like the neurobiology, yeah. Yeah, um, but the, the, we didn't hit too much on like actionable things within those. And yeah, you know, and, and that, that leaves a, like when I, when I like read something or watch something, if I don't get to walk away with like, oh, that's what I need to do, like that's what I need to like concentrate on, or so I feel like a little bit like, oh, this is really knowledge. Like, I'm glad I have this knowledge, mm -hmm. but I'm also like, what the fuck do I do with that knowledge? I love this. So right now where we're pausing, and like I was really hoping I could be like, ha ha, and like slide. We're literally on the the part before part two, which is what we're going to do about it. Like all the interventions come next. But there's a reason for that, actually, and I want to make sure you hear this, because the most important intervention is about self-esteem. The most important thing to realize is there isn't a lot to fix, that there's a lot to repair, like in you. That this is around like how we can feel better as who we are and know that we're not too much. Like knowing we we as humans judge intention very differently than than inattention, right? We had there's this uh, research they did around pain where they had two groups of people, right? One group of people went into a room, they got all these electrodes put on their forearm, and each electrode gave them a shock. So one group of people walked into a room, and the researcher went like, hello, random person, 
see that person in the, behind the window over there? And then this guy would like wave like, that's Jim. Jim has no idea what's happening. There's 20 buttons in front of him. He's a like, participant too. He's gonna have to hit every button once. What he doesn't know is six of those buttons are gonna shock you. Please rate how much each one hurts, right? So that's what one group got. The second group got the same guy, the same researcher. You go, see that guy? That's Jim. Jim waves. Jim's gonna shock you six times. Please rate how painful those are. The difference between these two conditions are intention, right? And so when they thought Jim was a bumbling fool, like just hitting buttons, right? They actually thought it started with a six out of 10 pain and went down to a four. And when they thought he was doing it on purpose, it was like it started with a five or a six and went up to eight. We actually think it hurts more when it's on purpose. Like you ever been in a fight with a friend? Like, screw you, you said this thing to me and I was left there. Like, I didn't say that thing. Like, you didn't say that thing? No. Oh my God, bud. Like all of a sudden it, like, it, it like, doesn't hurt as much. The purpose of this is to actually look at your brain differently. The purpose of this is to see that your brain, like the intention behind your brain is not to hurt you, right? And how can we see like there's a little more of a bumbling gym as opposed to an intentional gym? And it's like th when you're having the I'm so stupid, how could I have not done something differently voice in your head? Like we're actually talking about the first and most important interventions in this entire half. And I know, I know that sounds like I'm doing like no, the more you know good. rainbow thing, but it's so like this is this is something like this is the self-esteem is the most important thing. And it's like finding people and places that really support building self-esteem. I love it. That's why I do axe throwing. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, a couple times. You ever gotten cereal and found that there's like a prize in the bottom, but, but there's like five prizes that you have to collect. You got to collect them all. Well, my lecture is being broken up into small prizes that are found at the bottom of cereal boxes, except instead of a cereal box, it's this podcast and we will slowly be releasing them. Thank you so much for listening. If you ever have that thought where you think, hey, I'm nothing, stop. Remember, you're something. Something's shiny. That's right. Just as you are. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more free episodes of this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're on Instagram as Something Shiny Podcast. And if you're looking for more information, useful links, definitions, visuals, everything we can think of and more is on our website at somethingshinypodcast.com. And it's all free. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you.